Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Barrow. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. Hello, my name is Matt Simon. I am a science writer at Wired Magazine and author of the new book, The Wasp That Brainwashed the Caterpillar. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Time. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreasen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Positive Statistics. I'm Jeremiah Bomek, the producer of The Real of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, blogtalkradio.com. Deep within the molten core of a dying star. From the snow-capped mountaintops of Middle Earth, orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. Welcome. Welcome to the Graveyard Shift Talk Show, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing out there? You are listening to... The greatest talk show that ever has been, is, or ever will be. Today is June 17th, and tonight we have an awesome interview set up for you guys. It was going to be pre-recorded, but we found out that he actually could make it live, so I'm really excited about this. And uh, we're going to be having Dan Myrick on the air Now, I'm going to tell you, this guy is somebody that you need to get to know. Dan is one of the most well-known producers and directors and writers in Hollywood. He is a, a CEO of Gang of Robots, and he's a native of Sarasota, Florida. So he's from my hometown. Well, actually, I'm from Tampa, as many of you know, but... Still, not that far. I can still say hometown. It's not that far. Um, Dan was raised in the cultural enclave of Longboat Key, where his appreciation for the visual arts continually evolved. And over the years, he worked in the fields of freelance art and photography, and then he was eventually accepted into the inaugural uh, University of Central Florida film program. Um, I actually know several people that went to uh, UCF. It's It's got a really decent film program. I would say, I don't know if Dan would agree with this or not, but I would say it's up there with um, with FSU's film program. And, uh, you know, long, not long after graduating with his BA, uh, Dan teamed up with his former film school, gra- for, former film school graduates to create the indie film masterpiece sensation, The Blair Witch Project, where he was 
co-writer and director. Now, I don't know. I don't have to tell you this movie is considered a seminal work in low-budget filmmaking as well as being one of the highest-grossing films in history. Can you imagine that? The Blair Witch Project also ushered in a new methodology of production and grassroots marketing that is still being utilized today. Now, more recently, Dan wrote and directed Under the Bed, which is a Hitchcockian thriller shot in Salt Lake City, starring Hannah New from the Black Sails series, and Beverly D'Angelo. Yes, that Beverly D'Angelo from the Vacation franchise movie franchise. And it, he did this in partnership with Radar Pictures in Appian Way. Uh, the film premiered on A&E and Lifetime, and a sequel is in the works. Dan's latest feature project, which we're going to discuss with him tonight, is Skyman. It's a sci-fi docudrama about a man that claims he was visited by an alien when he was 10 years old. Now, as an adult, the man is convinced that this alien will be returning, and this film will be basically documents his journey. Uh, the film is, by the way, currently in post-production. And, you know, um, if you give me one moment, please. This um, Skyman, or excuse me, the Blair Witch, is one of the most, one of the things that I want to talk to him about is um, that Blair Witch is really the first, in my opinion, I thought, you know, Dan is the one that uh, created the found footage genre, but we're going to ask him that when we got him on. I'm pretty, pretty sure this is him right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Myrick. How you doing, Dan? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're we're doing good. We're we're pretty hot and heavy over here. I don't know how you guys are over there, yeah. but we're, we're it, yeah, it's hot over there too. Well, it's in I'm in Seattle, so the weather is just about perfect. This is our best time of year is through the spring, summer, and fall. So it's oh. it's not it's not it's not beastie hot like it is in in Florida. Oh, you, you're you're not running into Fraser up there, are you? <laughs> no. The, the, no. I'm really I'm really dating myself with that with that joke. Oh, my, my audience is cringing right now. But anyway, uh, so first of all, Dan, I want to say thank you to you so much. I know you're a very busy man. Um, that that you came you you took the time to come on the show and speak with me. Uh, and I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. No problem. Happy to be here. Yeah. And so uh, you've got quite a bit of work to do uh, that you've been doing lately. So uh, I'm just going to, first of all, I, I want to talk about uh, a little bit about yourself before we get into what you're doing. Um, can you give us an mm -hmm. idea? I, I think what everyone definitely wants to hear about, aside from Skyman, and of course, your newest project down here in Florida is when you were on, quite frankly, one of the most, the most famous and most amazing horror films ever made, Blair Witch. Can you give us a tiny bit of an idea what caused you to to make this film with your with these with the friends that you did, 
And how did you guys approach it in a, in the found footage style? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that you guys created the found footage genre with Blair Witch. I don't think it existed before that. Well, there was, I mean, it depends on how you want to define it. There, there was a, there was a film called Cannibal Holocaust that came out in the seventies. That was sort of the same premise. And it was like dubbed as a documentary. We didn't know it, 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 it had existed until after we had done Blair, but someone had mentioned it to us after we screened Blair somewhere. And, so we checked it out. It's, pretty, it's a pretty gruesome movie. It was very controversial at the time, and the filmmakers were thought to have actually murdered somebody in the movie, and it was, you know, and then they had to kind of prove themselves that they didn't. So, um, right. so technically, I, w- I wouldn't say we, you know, invented the the the, the technique of, of shooting it like a found footage film, but but certainly Blair Witch helped to popularize it, and I think that along with, you know, the timing of the internet and everything else really helped to kind of elevate it up to something much bigger than, than any of us could have imagined. And, and that's all we were wanting to do back in those days. I mean, we were just, we had just graduated film school at, out in, uh, at UCF in Orlando and Ed and I were kind of bounced around and we had come up with this woods movie idea back in film school. And a lot yeah. of it was just out of necessity. It was the cheapest film idea we had to be able to shoot it because it didn't require any, you know, name actors. And it was, you know, because it was a documentary by design, it, it needed to look pretty low budget. So, um, so out of that, we just thought it was the, the most practical project to, to attempt after, after we graduated. Yeah. I mean that, you know, they always say necessity is the mother of invention. So I think you guys proved yeah. that and then some. Um, can you give us like how did this how did the idea come come about for Blair Witch? I mean, was this a a concept that you had for a long time, or did you did you just think of it in film school, or how how did that come about? I mean, we had it for quite a while. I mean, it was we were in film school, and Ed and I were always bouncing around ideas, and you know, he was a director that I got to know, um, you know, at uh, UCF and. Um, and we had collaborated in a couple student projects and, and we were thinking about doing like, you know, coming up with just ideas that were creepy and scary. And it really started out as just a scene really in the woods. It, we were sitting around one night to how creepy it would be to just be sort of in a first person camera perspective, kind of walking through the woods at night and you come upon this old house. Right. And it's super creepy, and you can't turn away. You're just you're, you're stuck in that camera POV, and you're just forced to enter this house. I mean, how scary would that be? Yeah. And it sort of grew from that that one scene, and and we sort of built built a, a storyline around the idea of shooting the film that way. And and uh, so at, at first it was sort of like this expedition out in the woods where a whole bunch of scientists were like exploring some cult that lived out in the woods. And that was a little bit too ambitious. So we sort of pruned it down to this notion. It was um, just a, a small group of documentarians who were out there. And it wasn't until a little bit later that sort of the epiphany hit and thought it would be cool that they, they all disappeared and that our movie is about their found footage that we discover the 
the, the remains of the of the, the what they shot, and we pieced the movie together from that. Um, right. So it just sort of organically grew over time, and we bounced ideas back and forth. And then once you sort of established on the conceit, which I just described, then it was about building a kind of a beginning, middle, and end um, that that uh, uh, housed the, the the story structure and also the backstory and the world building that came a, a little bit later. And and just to give us an idea, what what was your budget for for the Blair Witch by any chance? Do you, do you remember? I mean, the it kind of depends on where you where you where you assess it. But like we we raised about thirty five grand mm-hmm. with the help of Greg Hale and and Robin Cowley, our producers, to shoot to get it shot out in the Maryland woods, um, and then. We shot a second phase, which was more traditional documentary content, um, which cost about another twenty grand or so. So all in, it was about sixty, sixty-five thousand uh, dollars mm-hmm. to get to get the cut that was screenable for festival entries. So that's sort of about what it took to to, to screen it for you know, to submit to Sundance and several other festivals. And then after we got right. purchased, after our artisan bought us, so they threw more money in to, 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 to enhance the soundtrack and all that good stuff. But, but to, you know, but to get it, you know, at a screenable submission, festival submission state, it was probably around 60 grand. Right. And, and just, uh, I don't know if you know the numbers, but uh, how much money did you make? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just I mean, wondering, the, like, the did, movie did, did, did you do okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the movie grossed about 200 and. Forty-nine million worldwide. Yeah, and I think it—I think it did another forty or fifty on DVD and whatnot, and who knows since then. But I mean, it was—it was pretty insane, especially. I mean, these are all like nineteen ninety-nine numbers too, so I don't right, know what right. that would translate to today. But um, so yeah, it's—it still ranks up there, if not still holding the spot of like the most profitable film. Um, of all time, certainly in the top top three or four, I'm sure. But uh, oh yeah, um, but yeah, fair. it was it was fair. it was pretty insane. I mean, it was you know, I mean, something like that happens once every generation. It was, and 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 we we certainly uh, weren't prepared for it. But um, that but it that's my that was I mean, it was it was a crazy end. <laughs> and I can see that I can see that you guys had a, a fun time with it. And that was going to be kind of my next question is, did you ever get the inkling when you were doing this film or even afterwards in post, did you ever get an idea that it would have gotten to that point that it would be that successful when you saw it? Or did you just, you know, be like, well, you know what, this is the this is what we can do. This is we're doing our best. And even if we make a profit, even if we make something out of it, it'd be great. I mean, did, did, did it feel like, Hey, we got something here. You know, it's we thought we had a cool idea, and 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 you know, good ideas sort of lets you know that they've got something special about them. Whenever you pitch them to anybody else, like you pitch it to a friend, or you know, in a casual conversation, you tell somebody what you're working on, and if you see it spark in them, then you then you know you're sort of on to something that could be at least marketed. From you know, watch it, something that would would generate interest to come into the movie theater. So we. We felt we had a pretty good concept in our elevator pitch, and and and, and while we were shooting it, 
we really had no idea what we, what what we had. I mean, it was so experimental in our process, and um, and you know, like any filmmaker will tell you, you're so deeply involved with it. It's very hard to be objective of what you're doing is actually working. And so it wasn't until later when we were really screening it at times that we're starting to get an idea if it was working or not. But I don't think it was until, um, you know, shortly before we got into Sundance that we started thinking that we might be onto something that could be a viable movie, um, and and at least get us to a point where we could sell it, maybe have a calling card project to, to transition us into a bigger movie down the road. But um, but we we really we couldn't really predict how big it was going to get. I mean, even after Sundance, we were still our predictions were pretty modest. Even Artisan was predicting it would it would do better than Pi did because they distributed Pi the year before. Mm-hmm. I think that did about three to five million box office and. They thought it was more approachable than Pi was, so I think they were thinking around ten million or so, which is still those are big numbers for indie. Yeah, movies. especially for an indie uh, film, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, with no with no names in it, so that so there was we were all feeling it was we were pretty pretty ambitious even in, in those days, but but it was it screened so well at Sundance, we were sort of all kind of high on on the experience <laughs> at Sundance, so so they were they were thinking around ten or so million dollars and. And of course, that that was blown out of the water in the first weekend. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was just one of those one of those kinds of movies, one of those kinds of events that just struck a chord with people and hit at the right time at the right place. And um, I think a lot of Hollywood movies that were coming out that were claiming to be scary actually weren't scary. They were big budget affairs, but they weren't really actually scary and I think Blair Witch really paid off for people. They went in and they really they really got scared at it. And that was that was a, a nice change I think for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Now Dan, I don't know if you know this or not, but you and I actually met before in person many, many years ago while you were I, I don't know if you were shopping the the Blair Witch film. Or you were doing a tour around Florida with someone else, and it might have been uh, your friend that you mentioned. And one of the times mm-hmm. that uh, you went to a, uh, I don't know if it's, I think it was an FMPTA meeting, and you right. were kind of talking about, right, and you were talking about the movie, and it wasn't big yet. In fact, I think you might have still been in post, I'm not sure. And then right. um, we were talking to each other, and um, and and then, you know, that's kind of like, so I just wanted to give you uh, a little thing that you and I actually didn't meet before. So it's kind of funny how things come full circle. And, uh, and, yeah. and, and at the yeah. time you were telling me about it. So anyway, I just think that's really cool. I don't know. Yeah, um, I remember, uh, I remember the FMBTA meeting. I remember going to that and, and uh, I think we, we, you're right. I think we were still in post at the time. Right. Um, so we had really no idea what we were on to, but um because we, I think the post took almost eight months on that thing. So we, right. we were, we were, in, we were in post for a while on it, but um, it can yeah, happen. I, I remember and, and that, you know, yeah, especially, well, yeah, especially if you have Peter Jack. Yeah. Us, we weren't, we, we weren't sure what we were actually posting. I mean, we, you know, our original <laughs> idea was to make the movie sort of like a more traditional documentary with talking heads and analysis of the footage and whatnot. And we shot a bunch of content for that and, and then over time, it sort of 
you know, the, the found footage portion of it sort of kind of rose to the surface and, 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 and we all decided that that really was all we needed to show. That was, that was right. the movie um, itself. So that, that took a while to work through that process in post. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I'm curious. Do you still have that? Excuse me, that that uh, that other footage of the talking heads. Did you ever, um, yeah, like show it? Actually, ended up like um, Sci-Fi Channel at the time contracted us and Ben Rock, who was our um, production designer on Blair Witch, um, was uh, we were commissioned by Sci-Fi Channel to put together sort of a behind the scenes of, the, of, of not really behind the scenes, but a, a, an exploratory kind of film about the Blair Witch phenomena. And we used a lot of that footage that we had shot in that sci-fi channel special, uh, Curse of the Blair Witch, that, that ended up being their number one rated show two weeks prior to the release of the movie. So it, it, it was like we got our cake and we could eat it too. We were able to take all the footage we shot and <laughs> augment it and, with and, the new stuff and get paid by yeah. sci-fi and they screen that two weeks prior to the actual release. And it, it, it was, so you could go and watch that if you wanted to get all the back backstory or not, you could just go into the movie itself blind and, and, and take it for what it was. So it was, it was cool to be able to do that, but all that footage went into that, that sci-fi special. That, wow. That's great. So I'm, I'm glad that at least people got to see that and see that, Hey, this was what it could have been. But I, I agree with yeah. you. I think the way that you guys decided to just stick with the found footage, that definitely is – that was the movie. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you just know sometimes. Um, so now what I would like to do is kind of get to this point of – I mean, I realize that's a really long period between both projects, but can you – I wanted to play the, um, the trailer for Skyman. And then that way, uh, after we play the trailer, maybe you and I can discuss how that came to be. So if you don't mind, I'm sure. going to go ahead and play that really quick, and then we can talk about no it. And yeah, okay, here we go, guys. Here's the trailer for Skyman, an upcoming uh, project, uh, documentary project from Dan Myrick. Here we go. of an alleged triangle-shaped UFO. In the- Some local residents claim to have seen an unidentified flying object just after sunset last evening, with one young man even claiming to have been visited by what he describes as a sky man. He didn't look human. I, I knew he wasn't a human. He has been so razor-sharp focused. I guess I just figured he was finally like ready to tell a story. Here's the HGH. I'm telling you, it was really, really loud. I was standing right here, and it was like... It's our magnet, or what's left of it. It was propelled somehow. Okay, so what? You really think that aliens did that? I don't know what to think, Gina. All I know is something's going on, and I don't think it's human-related. Arthur C. Clarke once said, A sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I've always liked magic.
And there you have it. The trailer for Sky, man. I certainly like it. Now, I know it's, I know that's, you know, it's hard to, some of the times you can't really see what's going on with this audio, but um, it, you guys got to check it out. Just go on YouTube and just look up Skyman trailer, and it's really cool. Dan, um, can you give us a little bit of a story behind that? So how did you come to make this film, and what what is it about? Um, if I've, it was sort of inspired when I was a kid. I, I, was, I grew up in the, you know, kind of a product of the late 70s, early 80s, back when UFOs and Bigfoot and, you know, Devil's Triangle were all the rage. And, um, you know, I had a little UFO club in my neighborhood when I was a kid, and I researched a lot of UFO abductions and stuff like that, and ancient aliens and, uh, you know, were big, big popular shows of the day. So, I, you know, it was basically I wanted to tell the story that wasn't necessarily an, an analysis of ufology that you've seen so many times or, um, you know, some ghost hunter type, type of show that's been done a million times. I wanted to tell a story that was really from the perspective of the experiencer and, and sort of um, an individual that was, um, you know, claims he had been visited by an alien life form out in the desert while camping with his father back when he was a kid. And like 30 years later, he's got this compulsion again that this alien is going to come back for a visit. Hmm. Um, and he's, he's going to go out to the desert where he first saw this thing and convinces his sister and his best friend to come with him. And, and, uh, and the weekend of his 40th birthday, he's, he's absolutely convinced that he's going to reunite with this, this sky man. So that's what my documentary is about, is following this guy – I'm a character in the movie as well. I'm kind of behind the scenes and sort of this Earl Morris-esque kind of documentary of following this guy on his mission. And, um, and you know, at first you're not quite sure, is he crazy? Is he not crazy? He's certainly got some special aptitudes. He's, he's a little bit on the spectrum, sort of Asperger um, mm-hmm. um, tendencies. And um, But he's, his name is Carl Merriweather, and and he's a sort of a composite of, of, of characters that I had researched when I was a kid. And, and, uh, and, I, and it was just a labor of love. We've been making it, made it for almost two years. And we shot at uh, real locations and, and at UFO festivals. And then our principal photography was out in the desert of Southern California by Barstow area. Um, and uh, it was just an, an, an amazing experience. It was really an amazing experience. And now, uh, with the help of our producer, Joe Vespano, he, we're setting up um, distribution. We were picked up by Gravitas, and, and they're, we're doing a, a limited uh, screen drive-in release mm-hmm. throughout the country. Yeah, and, I was going to uh, ask you about that. Yeah. Out, yeah, and then it comes out on VOD, I believe, on July 7th. So That's it should awesome. be a lot of fun. We're, we're, we're uh, really excited. And, and just, just to clarify, so is this um, – so is this something that is actually happening to this person? Is this like a reality documentary or is this more of like um, based on a, it's a, it's a film shot in documentary format based on real documentary stories and you're kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a documentary format um, inspired by true events. Let's put it that way. So, okay. Um, so you can kind of take that for what it's worth. The main thing it. for me was was wanting to 
um, you know, kind of convey sort of a character study about this guy's pursuit for purpose in his life. And he has a, you know, his father passed away years ago and, and, you know, some could argue that he's looking for redemption from his father and whatnot. But um, so it's, it's a, it's a sort of a sci-fi thriller in a way, but it's not really, it's not a horror movie. It's not really a straight up thriller. It's, it's a sort of a, a journey, a character journey of this guy. There are certainly some, you know, suspenseful moments in it and some spooky parts to it, but it's just, um, you know, I just did this, wrote and directed this movie just based purely on inspiration and, and, uh, and, you know, uh, had a really good time with it. And, and the, the crew that we had, the cast that we had, and the producers were all amazing. Um, and it's just one of those things that, that you shoot another movie like this that's completely unorthodox, um, outside the box, as they say. It was it was sort of like a three month camping trip in the desert, <laughs> and <laughs> and, uh, and it was just uh, a, a very kind of organic experience, and I think it comes through on the film. Right, and then and you had you know like a like any other movie, you had auditions for the the parts and everything like that. Yeah, we auditioned for several months in L.A. We had like four or five separate open call auditions in L.A. Um, and finally narrowed it down to our to our uh, key lead roles. Uh, Michael Selle is, is plays our Carl Merriweather, and Nicolette Sweeney plays his sister Gina. Um, and and so they're the two leads in in the movie. And um, and yeah, we would go out at times, and just it would be the three of us, and me and a camera, and the two of them shooting scenes, um, you know, and uh, workshopping through the characters and workshopping through um, the situations and the stories. And you know, it's, it's, it's rooted in a lot of real stories. It's rooted in a lot of real references, UFO references, and those that are that are kind of familiar with this subculture will get a lot of the, a lot of the references right. that are in the movie that, that, that play very in a very real way. Um, what a lot of these people are dealing with and, and, and their own research. So um, it is, uh, you know, it's, it was really cool. And, and unlike any other movie I've done so far, our, our original development process was all funded by Indiegogo. So we held an Indiegogo. I was going to talk to you about in, that. Yeah. Yeah, in the early days, and we and we we raised our development money, and our marketing money, um, and our proof of concept cash that also helped us build the website all through Indiegogo funds, and that, and all those original backers are are also listed. They're credited in the movie. They, there's a cool scene where you see their names in the movie and stuff like that. So, so we kind of did this whole film in a very sort of unorthodox way, um, and and kept it. Um, completely indie and full creative control with no studio interference whatsoever. And, and, you know, if I could do them all that way, I would, (laughs) but um, (laughs) it is, it is really, it was really a a lot of fun to do. And, and, um, and my hope is so far it's been getting good reviews. We, we world premiere at the uh, prestigious Austin film festival um, in October. And that was, that was really special. Um, and then, of course, we got accepted to most of the festivals in Florida and in California as well. But, of course, then the, you know, then the pandemic hit and it sort of right, messed right. all that. But, That's a but, shame. Um, hope, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to, to, to show it at some festivals as, you know, as things loosen up a little bit. But the drive-in 
the driving thing sort of as as an unintended co- consequence of the of the pandemic might be even just as cool if not cooler because I can't I think, think of a so. better film than a, a, a you know a, a UFO movie to see under the stars of the drive-in so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> Man, you 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 read my mind. I was just going to say what a perfect setting, you know. Uh, I don't know if you have any scenes where where you see flying saucers even if it's just as a as a artist conception or or whatever but how cool would that be if people watching the and they see an, a UFO and in the, and, the, and in the back of the screen it's the night sky the actual night sky you know yeah or even yeah. Not, even if not yeah. that even if not that just just that by itself just the movie by itself is cool so and you know I wanted to to talk to you a little bit about um, the fact that you did do this film as again with your roots being an indie and the fact that you were able to pull off doing it at Indiegogo. Now, if I remember correctly, Indiegogo is the type is the, is that the one where you only get the funding if you raise over a certain percentage or am I thinking of so that's else? Kickstarter Kickstarter? You, oh, that's Kickstarter. You have to reach okay. the threshold. Yeah. So if you don't reach the threshold, at least that, that was the way it was in those days. If you don't reach the threshold, you don't get any money. And we opted for Indiegogo, even though they took a little larger percentage is that you, whatever you raise, you get to, you get to keep. So we felt that made more sense. And, you know, fortunately for us, we made our goal pretty quickly, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, you, you know, I didn't want to like get, 90% of our goal raised and not be able to collect any of it if, if we fell short, but, um, but, uh, but it worked out. And, and, and our, you know, our logic with Indiegogo was, was, you know, if we could see the, the development costs and get the marketing costs rolling, but also start building an audience, which was our, which was our real intention was to start building an audience. Um, then we, we, we would consider that a, a rousing success. And we were, we were lucky enough to be able to do that. And and, and those, those folks have been, have stuck it out with us since the early days, so that's that's been nice. That's great, and I mean, if you know, it, it amazes me because I mean, I definitely myself tried going that route with with I don't know if I used Indiegogo. In fact, I think I used Seed and Spark with um, my children's show, right. but it, it just didn't pan out because I mean, just we just didn't you know raise the funds, and that kind of shows the the risk when well, I don't want to say risk but the unpredictability of doing things like that so the fact that you guys were able to do this and were able to keep it indie and the and you were able to keep the creative control I think that's going to come through in the vision and show as you said yourself that the movie is just going to be really great and um I, I can't wait to see it I'm really looking forward to it um is it so I mean it's definitely going to come out on June 30 drive-in theaters, do, are we going to have any drive-in theaters in Florida or even Tampa that are going to show it that you know of? Or Yeah. Um, I know there's the theater, the, what's it? The silver moon in Lakeland. So it's, okay. It's a uh, screening there. If, if you go to uh, um yeah. there's a, there's the screening tab and it'll show you all the screenings we have booked so far. So, we started out with four screens. Now I think we're up to eight, and it keeps. We keep adding more screens. So I think I'm hoping in the in the next several weeks we'll have a lot more screens throughout the country. But there's definitely at least two places in Florida that it's screening. Lakeland being one of them, um, and, and I think they're looking to book another another couple of drive-ins there as well. 
Um, there's several places in Texas, and we have Springfield, also Illinois, we're screening, and we're hoping to get a couple in, in uh, California. So it's sort of branching out, and, and a lot of it will be based on its initial response. If we get good crowds and good, get good reviews, then it'll start expanding out. So, um, you know, the, the success story with Wretched that came out, you know, a few weeks back, you know, they started out real small and got word of mouth, and before they knew it, they were doing a whole bunch of drive-ins. So, um, and, and it's cool to see that resurgence again in, in, in the drive-in movie scene. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, something I grew up with and was I have some very fond memories going to drive-ins, and it's nice to have oh, you know, me like too, yeah. generation people kind of check it out. Just, so that's, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. It is, and that's yeah. I'm glad you said that. I was just gonna say, drive-ins are just. I mean, going to the movies by itself is fun, just as it is. But there's just something I don't know, kind of nostalgic about it. I mean, I used to go as a kid, and it's just I don't know. It's just a different feeling. You're in your car. You can talk to each other yeah. without bothering anybody. And you know, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's, kind of, nobody... it's, it's like a, it's like a it's part picnic. You know, it's it's part tailgate party it's part movie yeah. it's a little bit of everything so it's yeah I, yeah i just it's just a great night out especially with the family and and you know Absolutely. as long as you're not getting eaten up by mosquitoes too much it's it's pretty cool <laughs> that is that that is true that is true you got to bring out the the, the spray or something um so uh, now yeah. from that that's great man I'm, i I wish you all the best with that so uh maybe now if, if it's okay um absolutely um we can talk a little bit about this current that you've got going on here in Tampa that you're actually filming an ebor called Black Veil. Now, can you reveal right. anything about this and tell us anything about it? Um, well, yeah, it's, it's basically, it was, it, it was uh, a, an idea to do a horror anthology um, that was, I would say, probably one of the first projects I've done that's like geared solely towards the online streaming audience. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we were wanting to do, um, you know, sort of a season of shorts, like 15 to 20-minute short episodes. Um, six episodes would kind of constitute a season. And, um, and all sort of, you know, housed within a Southern Gothic kind of horror aesthetic right um, and having grown up in florida and lived in alabama my wife's from mississippi i mean we're very intimately uh you know tied into the whole southern gothic kind of um vibe which i think is very cool and very unique to that area of the world um and and we really wanted to kind of explore that so so black veil was inspired by that 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 uh, sense of Southern horror. And we've, we, um, I shot, I wrote, or I shot the Chris Peckinpah is a friend of mine here or in LA who wrote the first episode. Um, so we shot that and that was our pilot episode. I'm editing it now as we speak. And, um, he'll be directing the second. We've got, uh, Jeffrey Reddick who created the final destination um, franchise is, is involved as an executive producer and might be doing one of our episodes. And um, and Danny McBride, who's also responsible for the original Underworld um, oh, wow. series, he's doing. He just actually just sent me a script today that that they're going to direct an episode. So we've got some really 
cool names in this space that want to do these cool short horror anthology um, uh, episodes for us on Black mm-hmm. Veil that 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 we're just giving them a you know a ton of creative freedom, um, and we want to shoot them all in the Florida area, primarily in in you know. Uh, in Tampa, St. Pete, we're based out of there, and bring production right, back to the, Florida, the, but at the, the same power time, station, right? you know, yeah, yeah, and and do and do um, you know what we consider really high quality, uh, you know, uh, you know, scary, scary stuff that that can hold its own with you know Netflix or anybody else, uh, you know, on a streaming platform and. My producers, uh, Doug Fox and, and Christian Krempel, are, have been a huge help in getting that process started in Florida. And, uh, and so far, it's been great. The crews have been amazing. Uh, my, my first experience in the pilot episode, we shot most of it in Plant City. They were super, super accommodating. Um, awesome. It was just an amazing experience. And uh, Tyler Matinowicz, who's you know, you know, the film commission there in Hillsborough County, has been They've been bending over backwards to, to accommodate us. So that's it's good. just that's been a good. great experience so far. And, you know, of course, the pandemic kind of rolled through and, and put the brakes on our production schedule. But we're we we're taking that opportunity to finish out the script process for, on all the episodes yeah. so we'll be ready to rock and roll um, once once everything kind of lets up and we can get back into production. So we're really yeah. pumped about it. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think that's perfect. I mean, I think just the – it may, you know – I've got to be careful saying this. I don't want to say, oh, it was a blessing in disguise because so many people have died because of this. But I, I mean in the sense yeah. of, you know, it's giving you a time to really, you know, tuck in at the, ter- the term and uh, and uh, and really fine-tune the stuff you wanted to fine-tune before, but maybe you didn't have the time before and now you do. Um, and, and by the way, Dan, since I have you, uh, uh, since you're my captive audience, um, I actually, have, I do actually have. No, the, you're, uh, you're breaking up. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I do know. actually have an episode. I don't want to. Oh, I'm losing you. Oh, me? Can you still hear me, Dan? Hello. Yes, I'm hearing you now. Can you hear me? We're good. We're good. Hello. Oh, uh, hello. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, I think I'm getting you back. Now I can hear you, yeah. Okay. Um, if you lose me again, if it's like a long time that you maybe try to call me. Uh, are you still... Try yeah, texting I, I think I'm losing you. Okay. It may be... Uh, well, I'm, uh, Dan, if you can't... If you can't, can you call me back? Yeah, I'll call you right back. Yeah, call me right back, okay? Uh, and I'll just, I'll be waiting okay. for you. Okay, okay. Okay, I don't know how that would happen, guys. That's what, that's what happens, you know. So he might be in a, in a bad reception area or something. I know that there's been having, we've been having issues with, um, with the mobile network. Uh, that might be what's happening with Dan. So I hope he's able to call us back. Cause that's just, isn't that just the thing? Just, just as I was about to tell him that I have an idea for Okay, I think this is him again. You there, Dan? Yes. Yeah, okay. And we're, we're clear? You can hear me and everything? 
It's still breaking up a little bit, but not as bad as it was before. Well, I, I tell you what, I was about to end anyway. I just wanted to tell you that I, I actually have an idea for you guys. I'm not joking. Say it on the, but uh, you know, I, I I used to be humble and stuff and like do things through official channels, but I've got a captive audience. I'm gonna say that I, you know, I'm I will know about this because it's. Are, are you still you're, there? You're still breaking up. Yeah, you're still breaking oh, up. God. I don't know what it is. If you try, you're trying to get to the something. The forces are not letting you do it, man. It's something creepy. What the hell? <laughs> All right, it's okay. I'll, I'll, message you about it later i'll message you about it all right cool (laughs) all right well listen thank thank you so much again dan for for coming on the air with us and um (laughs) and it was i had a buddy all right man yeah thank you so much i appreciate it and uh you know thanks for having me on yeah i'm dan we'll talk soon okay buddy bye-bye really was happening because I can see it on his end on, on my studio here that he was really actually breaking up. Okay, guys, I'm going to do a quick break. And then when I get back, it's movie news time. Hang in there. Okay. All right. Put your warm feet on hold, Graveyard Shift fan. Our illustrious host, Emmy. Why the hell does he always say that word illustrious? We'll be right back after this break with more shifty, yeah, like shitty awesomeness. I can't believe this guy. Who the hell does he think he is? Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. 